Bank Stadium. Their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. Stadium. Their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. Andrew Friedman's offseason masterclass isn't done yet. The Dodgers are rumored to be interested in adding more pitching. Will they sign Shota Imanaga? Will they go crazy and possibly add Josh Hader? That's coming up next here on Dodgers Dugout. It's time for Dodger Okay, how many times this team rips my heart out? I'll never stop loving the Los Angeles Dodgers. Think blue, bleed blue, and I'm out. What's going on, Dodgers Nation? Doug McCain here, credential member of Dodgers Media. You can follow me on the X and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. And if you haven't yet, do me a huge favor. Subscribe to the Dodgers Nation YouTube channel, the number one Dodgers YouTube channel in the game. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. And if you really want to support the channel, smash that like button. And as always, I want your takes down below in the comment section. Today's Dodgers Nation question of the day. Do you want to see the Dodgers sign Shota Imanaga? Do you want to see them sign Josh Hader, if you had to pick between the two, who would you go with? What do you think they should do with their starting pitching and their bullpen situation as far as additions go? Let me know down below. And for all latest Dodgers news, head over to DodgersNation.com. In a happy new year, Dodgers Nation. It's going to be an exciting year of Dodger baseball. Shohei Otani plays baseball for the Los Angeles Dodgers this season. I'm telling you, this is the year Dodgers going all the way. 2024 World Series champions. But let's get into the latest Dodgers rumors. There was a report from a Japan outlet that said that the Dodgers are interested in possibly signing Shota Imanaga, the left-handed pitcher out of the NP. We've talked about him pretty extensively on this show. And at this point where the Dodgers are at, where their rotation sits, is yes, they could possibly have a six-man rotation. When you look at Yoshinobu Yamamoto and what he's used to pitching in the MPB, it does make some sense. Jose Moda was on this show, and he said one of the biggest keys to Yamamoto being effective in his first year pitching at the big league level is possibly sticking to his Japanese schedule. And you also consider Tyler Glass now, who they added as an ace-level pitcher, but a guy that has never pitched more than 120 innings in a season, has never made more than 21 starts. Oh, and then you add the fact that you signed him to a long-term extension, so you want to preserve him as well as make sure he's fresh heading into the postseason. So if you do add Imanaga, some of the pros are, one, you get a left-handed pitcher. And I have talked about that on this show, how it is a little bit 
bit overblown when you look at the fact that starting pitchers, for the most part, if you're good, you're going to have balanced splits. For example, Walker Bueller and Bobby Miller, both are more effective against lefties and righties. We look at their OPS, right? So if you look at some of these starting pitchers, they're going to have some success against lefties and righties. I think that's more important when it comes to bullpen pieces and playing the matchups later in games. But if you look at Imanaga, he is a left-handed pitcher. He's five foot ten, and he's had a really good career in the NPB. Now, this is not the same tier of a pitcher as Yamamoto, right? This is not a number one. This is someone who is a solid number four and possibly a number five. And on his best day, he can pitch like a number three. Now, there are some pros and cons with Imanaga. And let's start with the pros, right? New Year's, Mitch Alata half full. Let's start with those pros. And the pros are is he has the ability to strike out hitters at a very high rate. Last season, the MPB, he had 174 strikeouts. That was more than Yamamoto's 169 had a the MPB lead in that category. So most strikeouts in the MPB last year went to Shota Imanaga. Also at a 29.2% strikeout rate. And when you look at hitters in Japan, typically they're going to put their bat on the ball and hit for contact. So it's not a league that typically has really high strikeout numbers so that number could even go up so we get to be talking about a guy that if everything goes right maybe he has a strikeout rate 30 percent or north of that that would be ideal if he even replicated 29.2 percent in the mlb from the npb you would say okay you would take that and that's a very successful move and then another pro is pristine command a four percent walk rate for imanaga last season four percent i mean that's excellent last three seasons he had a walk rate below six percent so that translates that's definitely going to be a major plus as well so strikes out a lot of hitters doesn't walk a lot of hitters if you look at his stuff though start with the first con the fastball is very interesting. It's a 92-mile-per-hour fastball. It doesn't have high velocity. He's not going to be hitting triple digits on the gun or anything like that. But if you look at his delivery, he's got that lefty lower slot delivery that gives you that perceived rise, and that definitely is going to play up. So it's not going to play just like a normal 92-mile-per-hour fastball. When you combine that with the command, it definitely has the ability to be effective at this level. Now, if you look at his curveball it's really interesting it's in the low 70s you wonder if that's going to be effective in the show his best secondary pitch is that slider that has a lot of dynamic movement to it as well going through different planes so look I definitely think from a stuff perspective it's nowhere near what we've seen with Yamamoto right Yamamoto is someone who if everything works right he's going to be a number one there's no question about that he just has to transition to the show I have all the confidence in the world him he's 25 years old but i definitely think all signs point to him being at the very worst a very good major league pitcher yamamoto though is someone who is more talented has more raw talent imanaga is someone that definitely makes the most of what he has almost think of him as a lefty version of kodai senga and if that would be the case you would love that because kodai senga finished second behind corbin carroll for the nl rookie of the year award last year now what is his biggest con his biggest con is 
the home runs are an issue. He gave up 17 home runs last season in the NPB. That is more than Yamamoto gave up over the last three seasons combined. So he struggles to keep the ball in the yard. And if you look at the home run to fly ball rate, it's at 8.3% for the last three seasons. And you look at the MPB average around 6%. So that definitely doesn't make you feel good about a guy going from the MPB to the show that already has a home run problem in the NPB because that's not the most homer happy league compared to the show. And you look at the way that fastball, the way he uses it, he used that fastball in the zone. He also works the top of the zone. When you work at the top of the zone, you're going to have a higher fly ball rate and some of those balls, they're going to leave the yard. So a lot of that I don't like. I don't love the fact that the home run rate is high, that he works up in the zone, that the fastball's in the zone. There is a world where he is the NPB Lance Lynn, and we saw how that played in the postseason as well as towards the end of the regular season, right? You want to keep the ball in the yard as much as possible. You wonder if that fastball is going to play in the show, some say it's a hittable fastball. The way it sits at around 92 miles per hour, I definitely think that there's a chance that he can pitch very well. But as far as the guy that is probably going to sign a contract between 80 and $100 million, it's a pretty big risk. It's a pretty big risk when you consider the fact that he's someone that has had those issues, the MPB. There's no guarantee he's going to have success in the MLB. And, yeah, I'm just... I'm on the fence about Imanaga. I have to be honest about it. I wouldn't be mad at it. I definitely think when you consider that his age, north of 30, you still have the posting fee. You still have a rotation that has a lot of talent up and down. Maybe you can find a way to get that deal done with the Guardians and maybe pursue a Shane Bieber as well as a Emmanuel Classe. Or are you still going to be in the mix for a Corbin Burns or a Dylan Cease? I think Dylan Cease is a lot less likely, unlikely now because you're talking about someone who has two years of team control. But let's say an injury occurs or you want to continue to go all in on this season – Burns can absolutely be had during the season at the trade deadline if you want to go that route. So I wouldn't rule that out. And then you also got a Sean Manaya, guys like that who you could get at a cheaper price that don't have a posting fee. Is that someone that you look at versus Inimanaga? So, look, I mean, I wouldn't hate it. Trust me, I would not hate it. But as far as the $80 to $90 million, you're committing a good amount of money to a pitcher that is north of 30, and that's been something that this organization has been reluctant to do, I would say that I'm a little more lukewarm than most when it comes to this potential signing. And I think that it's just a concern of mine at the show because the Dodgers, they like high value. They like stuff. And from a pure stuff standpoint, his stuff, when I mean, we saw in the WBC, gave up two home runs in six innings, one of those home runs being to Trey Turner. And we see these home runs, they flip a series. We've seen it too many times for this Dodgers team in the postseason. So yeah, as far as this rumor goes, if you bring out the Dodgers rumor meter right here, I definitely think that it's a three Dodgers dog. I definitely think it's a three Dodger dog with being serious smoke because the Dodgers have been involved with so many free agents. And I would say that 
this not three Dodger dog that it's going to happen or anything like that. But look, the reality is Dodgers have the money. They're willing to spend. And they know that if you count these innings up and down this rotation, you got Walker Buehler on a pitch count. You got a Bobby Miller who's going to be in his second year of action at the big league level. You got Tyler Glass now who's dealt with injury issues. You got Yamamoto who's transitioning from the MPB to the show. Mound's a little different. Ball's a little different. The schedule's a little different. You're facing hitters at the big league level. You're adjusting to life off the field. That's one thing he told us during his introductory press conference. So I do think that you still want to cash in on some of those trade chips, on some of those prospects that you can't increase their trade value at the big league level, guys like Michael Bush, and you can still find a way to bolster this starting rotation. That way, let's not forget, too, you got guys like Landon Knack and Michael Grove and Nick Frosso, and you got guys like Gavin Stone. Hopefully, this is the year that Gavin Stone in his second taste of big league action can really figure things out and realize that potential where this time last year, all the hype was around him and not Bobby Miller. So I still think that there is a decent amount of depth in this rotation within the organization where you don't have to desperately go out there and sign someone else or overpay for someone else. But I do like the idea of adding a veteran. I mean, Shamanaya is someone's interesting. I mean, I was high on the idea of a Giolito. I thought Giolito was going to get two years, 41 million. He got two years just under that with the opt-out. So pretty close on the contract guess there. The Boston Red Sox, not sure if that was the best fit for him from as far as him wanting to increase his value, but still they didn't go that route. So Imanaga is a name to keep your eye on. We'll continue to keep you updated if there's any news on him. It would be pretty awesome. Three Japanese players on the same team. You might as well just break out those Japan WBC uniforms and just rock those maybe once or twice a week. That'd be pretty cool to see. No, I'm just messing around. But look, I mean, show it to Imanaga. Like I said, six-man rotation. You distribute those innings out. You keep guys fresh. And then you also plan ahead if there's some bumps in the road as far as injuries that are inevitable. Let's just be honest about that. Now, next guy we're going to talk about today is Josh Hader. So Josh Hader is another guy that we've mentioned quite frequently on this show for months at this point as a possible option. Is it a realistic option? Is something imminent with him? I would say not at the moment. But Jim Bowden, who, yes, you got to take it with a grain of salt the size of the Rock of Gibraltar, he's someone that is saying that the Dodgers will be in play for Josh Hader. He wrote recently for The Athletic, he's looking for a deal north of Edwin Diaz, so it would be a five years, over $100 million. So far, no club has gone to that ballpark, at least as of yet, but the three teams that are in play for Josh Hader are the New York Yankees, the Texas Rangers, and the Los Angeles Dodgers. What is very interesting here is it appears that all three of those teams prefer to sign a starter or trade for a starting pitcher rather than getting a closer. So let's continue to unpack this team by team. The New York Yankees, their team that they're interested in Yamamoto. They're willing to spend 
300 million on Yamamoto? Do they think that Hader is a guy that can help improve their chances of winning the World Series? I'm sure they do. Maybe he goes to New York. Texas Rangers, early on, they were viewed as a team that was right there with the Dodgers as a potential landing spot for Shohei Otani. They just won the World Series. They've been as aggressive as any team in Major League Baseball when it comes to acquiring top-end talent. He makes a lot of sense for the Texas Rangers. The Los Angeles Dodgers, from a bullpen structure standpoint, absolutely you could use Josh Hader. Who couldn't use a Josh Hader, right? There's no doubt about it. He's absolutely elite. And we'll talk about his numbers here in a second. And one thing it would accomplish, too, is you put Evan Phillips in the role that he's best suited for. And that's being a high-leverage reliever that's not used solely in the ninth inning as your primary closer. He's someone that you can be flexible with. You can throw him out there in the seventh, eighth, or possibly the ninth inning, depending on the situation, facing the top of the order, facing different situations, bringing him in in a big moment to try to get you out of that inning. He is the Dodgers' best fireman. And last year, his numbers weren't as good as they were the year prior. I think a lot of that to do with the fact that, yeah. In a roaring stadium, their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. Teams adjusting a little bit. Stuff was not as good. Still really, really good, no doubt about it, but not as good. And I do think that putting him back in the role where he had his most success would absolutely be optimum for him. To optimize him, I definitely think that would be the case. Still think this team is going to be fine. I still think that they could add a bullpen piece during the season. We've seen them do that so many times. Chris Martin in 2022, Ryan Brazier in 2023. From a value standpoint, I think you can find those bullpen pieces just because the volatility of them from year to year. Let's not forget bullpen pieces for the most part are failed starting pitchers. And one of the main reasons for that is the inconsistency. So I like the idea of, look, find me a right-handed bat, right? Especially when you look at what the Braves are doing, what the Braves have done, adding another big starting pitcher to that team. And you look at that, I mean, it's something that you have to consider, right? You need to get a lefty masher on this team. There's no question about that. I mean, when you look at the Braves and where their lineup is right now, I mean, you just got Chris Sale. You added Chris Sale that rotation. You got Freed. You got Spencer Strider. You got Charlie Morton. So I'd rather allocate those funds to finding a right-handed bat that can match lefties. But Josh Hader, if he falls to your lap, falls into that lap at the right price, sign me up. Absolutely sign me up. Taking a look at Josh Hader's numbers last season, he made 61 appearances, he had 33 saves, posted a 128 ERA, had a 236 expected ERA. That was number one among all National League relievers. So his results were good, his expected numbers were were good. He had a 36.8 strikeout rate. He had a 16% whiff rate. Those are really strong numbers. They're not the 47% strikeout rate numbers that we saw back when he was at Milwaukee, but still one of the best relievers at all of Major League Baseball. And this is someone who has transitioned into being a full-time closer. Last season, 
He was a full-time closer, and he hasn't pitched more than one inning in a regular season game since 2019. So the days of Josh Hader being a multi-inning reliever, those days are done. He is going to be your primary ninth-inning closer option, and he's someone who has had success for a long time. Since 2017, he's pitched in 349 games, has recorded 165 saves, and 648 strikeouts. I mean, those are big, big numbers. Now, if you're looking at the cons, if you want to spot the pimple on a model, a 13% walk rate, that was a career worse for him last season. Also a 352 expected FIP, which was definitely solid, but not elite. So if you're looking at the expected numbers, expected ERA was really good. Expected FIP wasn't as good. And the other con is he views himself as the best closer in baseball. He wants to get paid more than Edwin Diaz. And Edwin Diaz signed a five-year, $102 million deal with the Mets last offseason. And that was the largest deal ever signed by a free agent reliever. And it makes you wonder, does Josh Hader get that kind of contract? Because he is one year older. And if you look at his platform season, it wasn't as strong as Edwin Diaz is. And Edwin Diaz played for the Mets, who has the richest owner in all of sports and Stephen Cohen, right? So I have my doubts that he's going to match that. He might. There's a possibility. I think the Texas Rangers could possibly exceed that just because of how much they're willing to spend on getting themselves a winner. But still, I think that Josh Hader is a guy that maybe he goes on a smaller deal with a higher AAV. And if that's the case, then I think that's where the Dodgers jump in. I highly doubt they would give him five years, 102 million. That's just not where this organization likes to spend, especially when you need more innings from your starting rotation. So look, could this team use a traditional lockdown shut down closer like a Josh Hader? Absolutely. But do they have more pressing needs at the moment? I would say yes. They need an outfielder. They need an everyday outfielder, in my opinion. It's going to play left field. It's going to mash against lefties. Do they want to go $80 million for Teoscar Hernandez? I'm not so sure. Will they look to try to find another bat via the trade market? A Rose Lorena, we've talked about it here. That is the dream scenario. Do you go during the season, try to bolster that position? Maybe you do, but I think right now that is a more pressing need, and I think that you definitely need to consider adding one more starting pitcher. Imanaga, he's someone who wouldn't be mad at. I don't absolutely love, and I'm not head over heels in love with Imanaga as an option for $80, $90 million. I mean, he's not Wish.com, Yamamoto, or anything like that. I mean, they're not comparable pitchers. People just like to compare them because they were both in the MPB, but they're not comparable pitchers, right? That's pretty much the only thing they have in common is that they both play in the MPB and they're on the Japanese WBC team, right? So I think outside of that, though, like I said, ideally, he's Kodai Senga that gives up a lot of home runs and pitches lefty, right, as far as the way his stuff plays. But... uh that is where I'm at with those two. I definitely want to see this team add another veteran starter that you can count on to eat innings. Like I said, Shamanaya wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. The way he finished the season, the way the money he could get right now. I do think that the trade market with Class A, that's something that I want them to explore. Yes, the cutter has diminished a little bit in effectiveness. The velocity went down. The strikeout rate went down. But at his age, I have full confidence that this Dodgers team gets Class A right where he needs to be as far as 
the best reliever or one of the best relievers in the sport. So I'd rather get my closer via trade than have to pay a guy that's north of 30 that, yeah, he might be good for a couple years, and that's really what's most important, but not so sure that I would be all on giving Hater $100-plus million in a deal. But that's going to do for this episode of Dodgers Dugout. By the way, I know I sound sick, and you know what makes me sick? It makes me sick out there that people are saying the Dodgers are ruining baseball because they're willing to spend, they're willing to give their fans a product to really go out there and excite them and Will he be willing to go out there and fill up a 56,000-seat stadium? No, the Dodgers are great for baseball. The Dodgers are absolutely what Major League Baseball needs at this point in time. A team that's willing to commit over $1 billion on players, and those players have made the Dodgers and the sport a conversation that has transcended baseball. You have... Fans that don't even watch baseball talking about Shohei Otani and Yoshinobu Yamamoto. No, what the Dodgers are doing is absolutely great for baseball because they're making baseball relevant. Something that these cheap, penny-pinching owners out there that are crying poverty across the league have failed to do. I'm looking at the Colorado Rockies and the Pittsburgh Pirates and teams like that. The Seattle Mariners, teams that act like they're not making money. All these teams are making money. All these teams just aren't putting that money back into their franchise like the Dodgers have done. So no, your team is ruining baseball. Your GMs and your ownership groups are just keeping that money in their pockets. Okay? Scared money don't make none. Dodgers realize that. That's why they're the talk of all of Major League Baseball. That's why they're in a great spot with Shohei Otani and all the talent that they've added. So that is what makes me sick. People out there saying the Dodgers are ruining the sport. No, the Dodgers are the team that's making the sport better. They're elevating Major League Baseball right now. But that's going to do it for this episode of Dodgers Dugout. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on the X and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the Dodgers Nation YouTube channel for all the latest Dodgers news, rumors, hype videos, breakdowns, interviews live streams and more all season long, be sure to hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell. And if you really want to support the channel and you want to see us post even more Dodgers content, smash that like button. And until next time, think blue, bleed blue, and I'm out. stadium their silence is deafening 136 israelis are still being held hostage by hamas bring them home home. 